0: You're listening to episode number 32 of the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Do you guys have a desire to host live events or workshops? If so, keep listening. Evie and I have been hosting workshops for two years now, and in that time, we have learned a lot. We've done a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong, like way wrong. Like, mess up, wow, can't believe we did that wrong. (laughs) In this episode, we just shoot it to you straight and get real. We're not perfect, and we've learned a lot in the past few years of hosting live events. There's so much that goes into planning an in-person event that most people don't think about, so if you're curious to hear us blab about our mistakes, trust me, some of these mistakes we open up about are really juicy. And our wins, obviously, or are wanting to learn how to execute an incredible live event in the future, then this episode was tailor made for you. Let's get to the juice, guys.
1: Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay.
0: Hey guys, Lindsay and Evie here. We are really excited about this episode. This is a topic that I don't think we've ever created any content on before. Like we've never done any captions on social media about it. We've never done any blog posts about it. Um, I don't even think we've like talked about it in any live videos. Um, And it obviously does have to deal with like a more niche audience, like the people that are going into education and creating live events. But we wanted to hop on today and talk all about what we did right and what we did wrong with hosting live events. Um, For those of you that don't know, about three years ago, we had the idea to create photography workshops and the Heart University actually started as the Heart Workshop, which is where it originated and then it grew and expanded and blew up and we're so grateful. Um, But in hosting photography workshops, I think we've hosted six now, right? I think so, yeah. Um, we've learned a lot. (laughs) We've done a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong. Um, and we just wanted to like have a really candid open conversation with you guys today about like what you should and shouldn't do from learning from us, from our mistakes and from a little bit of our wins on how to host live events and workshops. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think, Honestly, it's education
1: and stepping into that field can be really challenging and really difficult, especially just starting completely fresh like we did and really didn't know much about the industry and how to do things. And there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of things that can go wrong and there are a lot of mistakes that can happen. Um, And we've heard definitely some stories from students and from followers and people who have just experienced very poorly executed workshops. And trust us, we don't blame anybody when it comes to messing up on hosting an event that happens. It's hard. It's hard, hard, hard hard work. So we don't think less of anybody if an event went south. But we do know there's there's a topic out there and a lot of conversation going on about who should host workshops, how you should host them, you know, really poorly executed ones. And so we wanted to just come on here and just have a, a sit down friend chat with you guys about our experience over the past few years and what we have done really wrong in hosting a workshop that we wish we could go back and change and the things that we really feel like we've nailed from the beginning or as we've grown. And we're just going to bounce back and forth and And be real with you guys, Um, for anyone who is wanting to get into education, we hope that this is an episode that just clears so much of the confusion that might be going on in your head of little tiny things that actually can make a really big difference in a workshop or a live event.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I think... Like if you get into workshops or you get into hosting live events, you do it because you you care about teaching people, you care about helping people and making their day better. But then, that's the heart and that's the start of it. But then when you dive in, there's just like a whole slew of things that you have to deal with that you might not have thought about and just logistical planning. And so yeah, we're here to dive on in. So let's start off. I think first with the six things that we did wrong because that's always fun to start off with your failures. <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is humbling, guys. Not gonna right. lie, it's. It'll be good. We'll end it on a positive note with the right things though. So Perfect. Right. first to start off what we did wrong. I think the first thing I would say is that we, did, for at least for our first workshop, and a lot of these mistakes did happen on our first workshop, I think, because then we like learned from it and mm-hmm. then got better. Um, but the first one I would say is we did not have any help with organization. Um, I remember when... So w- we... Our first workshop was in I think April of 2018 and we were like okay it'll just be me and Evie and it, I think we opened it up to 12 girls at at the for the first workshop cuz we were like we didn't know how big we wanted it to be and we wanted it to be small and intimate but we had no idea like how much work it took to plan <laughs> it especially when we were full-time photographers on top of it And I just remember, I think, remember when we were planning it, we were like, oh, we can cook and teach. Remember? Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) We were (laughs) like, we were
1: like, Lindsay can do a session while Evie's cooking. And then the next like meal, it'll be vice
0: versa. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Which we (laughs) didn't do that. We didn't do that. We had a friend come and who, who wanted to come to the workshop and her payment was kind of just being like the house mom in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what we did for our first one. But in general, I would think, we did not have any help organizing. And that was a time suck. If you want to grow and scale any type of live event, even intimate live events, even even intimate workshops of 12 people require so much thought and planning, like yeah. meal prep, dealing with everybody's food preferences. And maybe that's another one. I don't know. We can, we can bounce back to that <laughs> later. But, but just like dealing with all the logisticals, like the Airbnb, all the transportation, the website, how you get people to sign up and pay for it, and then all the emails that you need to send, the packing, like everything. <laughs> like, And then there not to mention a for a photography-specific workshop, you have to plan the styled shoot. So that's yeah. like a whole other thing, contacting all the vendors for that. So we just... Just from the get-go, I wish we would have had Rachel, our assistant, which we had yeah. <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah, it's actually really nice now. Lindsay
1: and I hardly do any of the planning for our workshops. We just approve stuff. And Rachel pretty much just does all of the grunt work and, and handles it all, which is so nice. Um, I think if we're being transparent at our first workshop, Lindsay, do you remember the day before we were like the, we were going to welcome the girls. So we checked into our Airbnb and w- we had to go out and location scout because we didn't know oh where we God. were going to shoot. <laughs> like we didn't
0: know our styled shoot location. Wait, no, that was not the day before. That was, no, that was the day of because we checked into the Airbnb. Shut up, you're right. Remember? Oh my gosh. We were literally out scouting, like I think an hour before the girls showed up. Well, it literally, and because <laughs> the part of so that bad. reason was that we thought we were going to shoot at El
1: Matador, which which is in Malibu. Beautiful beach, very popular. And then
0: we we realized- Well, well, too
1: late, we tried to get a permit. We tried to get a permit like five days before and realized- Which is laughable. (laughs) Yeah, that we needed one like- month before minimum um, because they fill up so fast, if not more months before. And then we realized we just alerted them that we were going to be bringing a group of like 15 people to this park. And so we're like, we can't go to El Matador State Beach. So we need to find another location. So the day of the attendees arrivals were literally frantically driving. And I remember Lindsay, you and I in the car, just so stressed out and panicked over finding this location. And then finally we were both like, okay, we need to pray. And we just like had to like calm down because we were so freaked out. We didn't have a permit. We didn't know where we were shooting. And that was the day of. So it's literally hours (laughs) before the
0: girls showed up like that. I hope Uh, that makes anyone out there feel so much better about themselves. And like, (laughs) that should not have happened. That is a big mistake. Like, Mm -hmm. that never happened after that. The location.
1: Yeah. And the location ended up being fantastic. So good. We God provided. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was great. And the
0: girls loved it. And like, everything was amazing. But that should not have happened. (laughs) Not at all. So that would I would say like, just organization and like dropping things like that would definitely have been... one thing that we did wrong. Yeah. I would say the second
1: thing that we really did wrong was that we weren't thinking about visuals or PowerPoints during our presentations on that first workshop. And we may not necessarily be visual learners, like type A learners who want to see like a list, but I think that was a weakness of ours that we didn't recognize that a lot of other people really learn really well from that. So it's helpful to have a visual like PowerPoint or keynote while somebody's talking, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we didn't think about that. I don't think... We didn't
0: create any PowerPoints, right? It wasn't just... That we no, we them. literally sat on stools for our yeah. first workshop. There's photos out there. You can see these. That's true. But there's... We sat on stools with our computer in our hand. I mean, and the girls learned so much. Like they got a lot out of it. So yeah, I'm, not they saying, loved like, it. I'm not saying it was bad, especially for our first one, but if I could go back again, I would redo that.
1: Yeah, and there were I think there were several situations and times where like there was no uh, audiovisual setup for uh, keynotes or PowerPoints at the Airbnb because we were gonna try to plug in our laptops to show examples of photos during one of our talks. And I remember that we couldn't because there was no screen, no setup. We didn't even think of like
0: a projector or a TV. For that first workshop, we booked that Airbnb before even looking into that. And so then after that, yeah. once we learned that mistake, every time other time that we hosted a workshop and found the location before selling the tickets, we make sure before booking the place that it has either an HDMI cord or a projector or a TV or something that we have capabilities to do that. And then for our second workshop, we made keynotes because we learned from that mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that was just, we ended up
1: passing a laptop around during like to try to show those example photos that we were going for. And it, it worked out, but I definitely wish we had done that differently on the first workshop.
0: Well, and then even in that same point, we still kind of made that same mistake again, not the same way, but I would, for our, well, this was our for our fourth workshop. So this was in Utah. This was like a year, it was a year after our first one. Um, For our fourth workshop, we, we knew that there was a TV. And so we checked that part and Oh, maybe this was the Airbnb's fault. I can't remember because I think, I can't remember if we just didn't check if there was an HDMI or... No, they said there was one and there wasn't. Okay, and so maybe that's not quite our fault, but, but what we learned. The takeaway, <laughs> yeah, the takeaway is we got there, we checked in and we realized there was no way to connect our computers to the TV because there wasn't an HDMI cord or, or there wasn't, yeah, that. Um, And so we literally were texting the girls like in the Facebook group as they were coming and being like, "Hey, does any could anybody stop at Walmart on the way to the workshop or, or anywhere like to get a, a converter or like an adapter or whatever?" And it, this workshop was in the middle of nowhere, Utah, like by Zion. <laughs> so it's like the the closest Walmart would have been St. George, and that was still like wait, like it was too late that they would have been closer than that. And so it was it was fine. We figured it out. We ended up using the projector um no one girl had a converter remember and we used it the whole week and then after that we were like let's buy our own
1: you're right yeah yeah yeah. that's right and it worked out but I mean definitely wasn't our proudest moment when we're messaging our attendees in the Facebook group being like can someone stop and get us (laughs) (laughs) like not exactly professional but I mean it's real life it happened and so we still learned that lesson we we bought um a converter and we're we discussed, I don't know if we did, but we discussed actually just buying a Apple TV for the heart in general for all future. That way,
0: no matter where we go, as long as they have a TV, we can set it up ourselves. We don't have to rely on whether an Airbnb or a lodging has an Apple TV or doesn't like we are capable. And so that was, that was a good one. Yeah. I would say the other one that we didn't do and is just a a pretty good, like, thing that you need in place for any live event is we didn't have any liability waivers or insurance for any of the workshops um, when we first started. For our Uh, education brand specifically. Right, 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 right.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that was definitely very stupid on us. I mean, we don't need to even harp on that one longer. I think anyone who hears that is going to be like, oh, yep, that was a mistake. But right. we, didn't, we didn't think of it. We, in our heads, we were like, oh, you know, I think it's kind of like when you're first starting into photography, you don't really think a contract is necessary and we yeah, kind of- until, you know, until something happens. Right. Like. And I think that was kind of our similar mindset of like, oh, we don't need a liability waiver. We trust our girls. Nothing's going to happen. We're not like skydiving at our workshops. Although that's a great idea. Anyways. It's um, not a great
0: <laughs> idea Like have 30 people. <laughs>
1: Anyways, I think that was just, a uh, you know, ignorant mistake. Um, and then I think insurance for our education brand, I, I personally just didn't even think of I, you in my head. I'm like, I have insurance. I have liability insurance. I'm like fully covered. My whole business is fully covered. Right. And Lindsay is fully covered. I just, I never fully thought of it until I had a conversation with our legal team at one point, And they were like, so you have business insurance for the heart. Right. And I'm like, huh, what? <laughs> like
0: well, because every time we got a permit for the heart, for the, like, whatever style shoot we would be doing in the location, they would always, almost usually require insurance, but I know that Rachel would just use one of ours, because right. it, it usually didn't have to be necessarily the hearts, as long as we were covered in general, yeah. Um, but I would just, as a, learn from our mistake, if you were hosting live events, get contracts, get liability waivers, and or not contracts necessarily, but like liability waivers and then insurance to make sure you're covered. I feel like that specifically applies if you are doing uh, a separate
1: business entity, which is hosting the event. So in our case, it wasn't Evelyn Grace that was hosting the event, it was the heart university. And so that's the difference is Lindsay and I both have insurance that would have applied to that situation, but because it was hosted by our other third company, that's when we needed a separate insurance policy for that. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Um, I think (laughs) this is a funny story. I think this is very specific too. this is very specific, but we booked uh, a space. I think this was actually in Utah as well. Actually, this might have happened in Malibu too, but I think it was
0: specifically Utah is what we were talking about. So, book- just for people that don't know that, that's our fourth workshop.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, we booked a space, so the the Airbnb, the venue that we booked, and we thought we knew the room layout. So we had planned it out because we saw like a description of all of the rooms and everything. And well, we, we were like
0: we booked it on Airbnb and they usually break down like the bed count. Yeah. And like what bed is in each room kinda. Yeah. Of. And so we were like, Great. Okay.
1: So in our heads, we counted up how many beds we had for each girl. And this is what we have to do before every workshop. So we had to count up. Okay, how many you know single beds do we have? How many shared beds do we have? Which then determines like our tickets. Are we even going to book the place? Does it meet our needs? All of that. And there's so a we, lot to think about. Yeah, there's a lot of like nitty gritty stuff that goes into that. And so we went through all of that. We looked at all of the bed options. How many girls could go in each room? If they were like single beds, shared beds, whatever. And in our heads, we saw this one room that I, I we were like perfect. That's where. We will go like Lindsay, myself, and our assistant Rachel. We're like, it, had, it was a
0: it was a room with two king
1: beds. Yeah, and we were like, perfect. We will go into that room, um, and you know, Lindsay and I will share a bed. Rachel will have a bed. It's all great. Like, well, because yeah. usually we take the master of like whatever house because usually bed wise that works out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's what we planned. And then we get to the Airbnb to the lodge, and we go to look in that room, and we realize as we opened it up. Yes, there was a big room with two king beds, but then a door literally inside of that room. So inside attached to that room was a like Almost a like bunk a, like bed, like a glorified
0: closet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was like a bunk bed like room that had two sets of bunk beds, so four twin beds. And but so we, you
0: couldn't get to those without going through the king bedroom, right. which is so weird.
1: And so we looked at that and we were like, "Um, okay, because then we were going to either have attendees coming in and out of our room, which w- we usually like to have just our own space as the host to be able to decompress, to you know talk through the day, feel how we went, what can we do better, what can we improve, you know, whatever. Um, so we like to have our own private space for sleeping. <laughs> and we were like, shoot, we can't block off these four beds. And so then we had to frantically scramble around and rearrange where like our mental map of where everyone was going to sleep, was it going to work? We ended up having to blow up an air mattress and put it in one of the other rooms. And then I slept on an air mattress all week, which was totally fine. But in that moment, like you don't want to be freaking out and stressing that like the morning before the attendees arrive again, because you didn't understand the layout of the facility or the venue. So- Making sure, whether that's a, it's a large conference, it's a one-day workshop, it's a overnight workshop, just knowing the layout. If you can go see it ahead of time, do it. If not, just ask for details, maybe a floor plan, something like that will really help you prepare in advance so you're not blindsided by something on the day of.
0: Yeah. Like the only thing I could think of that we would have done differently is it, before maybe officially booking that lodge, like messaging them and being like, hey, could you give us a complete breakdown of like the layout and how the rooms are organized just but that's also something that's like a freak like who puts a room of bunk bed in a master (laughs) bed like i'm what that's not even i think honestly that mistake low-key was just a fluke i mean because we we know the principle to like check that but it just it is what it is but yeah maybe learning to roll with the punches also um yeah so (laughs) i would say the fifth thing that we learned especially from the first one and I think we get better at this with every workshop that we've done. But we did not build enough downtime um, so that people could connect. And I, I specifically, I think all of our workshops have looked the same roughly in, like, the the layout, uh, like, the organization, the schedule, how long it is, other than the first one. So the first one was, I think, two days or th- three days, maybe. I think it was three days because it was two—I think it was, like, two full days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um. Yeah, like arriving on an on an evening and then mm. one day and then maybe like leaving the next day, but like yeah. later in the day or something. Yeah. I can't remember. But um, after that first workshop, we basically doubled the length and then doubled the amount of classes that we had. And we doubled the styled shoot just because we, had a, we got a review, like a personal review from one of the girls that attended the first one. And it was so helpful. Like she wrote us a sweet, kind review to use, but then she also gave us some really helpful feedback. Um, And she said, hey, I'm a little bit more introverted and I loved the workshop. It was amazing and I learned so much. But something just maybe to consider in the future is having a little bit more downtime or making it longer because since it was so short, if you were extroverted and you just got along with people right away, like then awesome, you made friends, you were having a ball. But if it if for the people that it personally takes them a little bit longer to open up and get used to other people and strangers, then, excuse me, she, she was like, it, it just felt like it was by the time I even was kind of comfortable coming out of my shell, the workshop was over. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's kind of like twofold of making it longer or long enough. And then also having enough downtime, I think.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And then I think, We doubled everything for the next workshop and moving forward, we kept a very similar um, layout and structure. But the thing that we did on the second workshop then was that we packed the schedule too tight. So there wasn't enough downtime. So we made it longer, yes, but then we didn't create that space for connection, community, downtime, hang time. And it was still kind of a struggle of there was always something going on and always an activity, always a class, always a, a shoot. Um, and so we've learned over the years and over all six of the workshops to build in a lot more downtime, a lot more hot tub time, fire, you know, fireside chats, um, you know, free time, hangout, whatever. Uh, and that I've seen completely shift the tone of a workshop from yeah. education, great, go, 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 to education and lifelong best friends um, and deep connection and life-changing heart moments that are just
0: so powerful. So building in
1: time for connection, I think, is so important. Well, and
0: I think that's something that people need to remember is people come to workshops, yes, to be educated, but you can also take online courses. Like you can can take Mm -hmm. a class online if you just want to learn stuff. A huge aspect of coming to a live event is the connection and just that that in-person like relatability that you cannot get online and that you cannot get in an online course. Um, And just remembering as the host or as the creator of a live event to create that downtime and create space to breathe and space for people to connect, which can almost feel as the host be like, oh, well, I'm not giving them something to do right now. What do I do? What do I do? And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, they need that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like you are giving them something to do right now. You're giving them the opportunity to network, to connect and to build relationships, which is so vital for entrepreneurs. So yes, I think the final thing um, is that we didn't have professional photos or videos from the very beginning. And I... I think that would have been something really helpful for us, especially marketing future workshops. Um, Like I created the first couple of videos, announcement videos, and they were fine. Like they were totally fine, but like not saying you have to go full on professional and hire Brady like we do, but (laughs) um, just having more content to share, to show what it was like at a workshop, to promote the next one, things like that are really helpful and something that we've really prioritized as we've moved forward into, you know, creating these events. We've made that a top priority to have
0: photo and video at our workshops as much as possible. Well, and we really only did this for the last two workshops, kind of. Yeah. Um, And I... I will say, I think because we were photographers, we were like, oh, well, we we don't, we could just do it ourselves or hand our camera to somebody. But when you're, if you're the teacher or the host and that is your job for the week or however long, then like it will do you such, just so well to just outsource that. Even if yes, you technically can take a bomb photo, like outsource that video or photos, just having somebody there whose sole Mm -hmm. purpose is to document the event in high quality video and photo, I think is so important just for future. Cause like, honestly, we have really great photos from the Seattle workshop, but we did not have any like high quality photos unless maybe a girl like took a photo at the workshop of us, or like we took it of ourselves, which didn't really happen because we were focused on teaching. And so I think just having that that foresight to know that you can use that as marketing material in the future is, is really good.
1: Well, and I think it's not just marketing material. I think it's also documenting. Like, I so wish we had photos and videos other than, like, iPhone from Malibu. Like, I wish we could yeah. just have that. And I know every – like, from the Seattle and the Northern California workshop, when we've created – like content for them, video, photo, whatever, for them to have and to cherish. Um, They love that and they love sharing it and they love posting that for them to write a review about the workshop or to share it with their friends or anything like that to be like, hey, this is what I did last week. So not only for you as a marketing tool, but also for your attendees as, you know, a, a thing to treasure and cherish and tangible take home um, to go back and and look at that week again. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you create so much content you often feel stuck? Uh Uh-huh. Between blog posts, Instagram captions, free recreation, email campaigns, there is so much writing,
0: right? Freaking yes, I've definitely been there and I know how frustrating it can be to feel like you have nothing to talk about. So if you're consistently staring at a blank screen and blinking cursor, we wanted to give you an entirely free guide we just created for you. Guys, our content creation guide is pages of content ideas that you can
1: use to write meaningful captions, blog posts, and more that connect with your ideal audience and create that value and trust that's so vital in order to sell successfully. You can use our ideas directly. There are dozens of them that you can immediately pull from, or you can use them to trigger new ideas for your content creation process. This freebie is so jam-packed that Lindsay and I even go back and reference it when
0: we feel stuck. It that good, fam. If you're sick of not posting or creating any content because your brain feels empty every time you step up to the plate, uh, um, the keyboard, then we got you. Bye-bye, writer's block. Hello, value-filled content. Go to www.theheartuniversity.com content or click the link in the show notes.
1: Now go kick some butt and create some content.
0: All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. Okay, let's pivot. Yeah. (laughs) So
1: those are some things that we really feel like we did wrong, especially for starting out. But now let's pivot
0: into some things that we think we did right. Lindsay, do you want to start? (laughs) Yeah, sure. All right. So the thing I think we did right from the get-go was limited our attendee count um, because I think the first one we had 12 people and because it sold out much like the same day, which was unheard of, like we were not expecting that at all. I think we raised it to a few off-campus spots to like 18 or 19, which is like... Still small in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was our first one. And then every workshop after that first one, we've capped it at 25. But in general, we've always never, ever, ever gone over like 29 or 30. Um yeah. and most of our workshops have always been 25 girls. And we do that strategically, even though our even though our wait list was insane in every single workshop that we put out, we would sell out in like two hours almost or less, it. we really wanted to prioritize having that intimate connection and having people be able to like talk to each other one-on-one, talk to us one-on-one. And like even after Malibu, the first workshop, I feel like our second workshop, we probably could have opened up to like 60 spots. It was in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. We, we did two weeks back-to-back because we had such a huge demand. We could have just like meshed that into one workshop Found a different location and been like, okay, let's do 60 people. But we, I think that's something that we really did right is, is having, because a workshop, I think when you have too many people, one for a photography workshop, the styled shoots get insane if you have too many people. It's hell. Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, the styled shoots get insane, but then also connection becomes way more difficult and challenging and it can become way more overwhelming. Um, And If you're wanting to go bigger, that's when we would encourage do more of a conference and, you know, prioritize bringing in other people to help engage with the audience and with um, the attendees and, you know, really provide them with value and with service. But for more, you know, in-person overnight vibe of workshops or retreats or anything like that, keeping it in a number where you know that you're going to be able to confidently engage with every single attendee one-on-one and that they're going to feel confident and not overwhelmed engaging one-on-one with all the other attendees as well. Um, So I think that's something we did well. And then the other thing that I think we did really well from the beginning is that we really, really prioritized making every single person feel welcome. So whether that was from the beginning, we would memorize the attendees' names before they arrived and before they showed up. So we have like flashcards basically of attendees, their photos and their names. Um, And we go through and we memorize their photos and their names before they arrive. So that when someone walks through the door, we know who that person is.
0: I think because a lot of our attendees have followed us for a long time, they're so excited to meet us and they they know us from yeah. like what they see online. And it, it almost feels lopsided if, if we, if they come in and they're just complete strangers and we're like, oh, hi, what's your name? Yeah. And so it it was a huge priority to us and still is. Like Every time we do a workshop, our priority is to, in an intimate workshop know everybody's name. Um, and we've done research and, on the attendees too. Yeah, it's like yeah, exactly we, we stock y'all. So
1: <laughs> we we go in and we see who are you? What are you about? What are what's, you know, what does your life look like? Are you married? Oh, that's so sweet. Oh my gosh, your photography is gorgeous. Like things like that.
0: We really try to do our research and know not only your name, but who you are. Which um, also goes back to the first thing that we did, right, was limit our attendee count, which makes that manageable. Like yeah. you can memorize twenty five people's names, but 60, like that's getting a little crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then along with memorizing names, we would always give welcome gifts. So welcoming our attendees with something personal, um, something very on brand for us that they, we knew would walk away loving and cherishing and using in their life and their business. Um, and then we started off with a casual floor sit welcome chat, At the beginning of every workshop, before we ever did anything, before we ate dinner, before we started a session, before anything else happened, we would do what we call a welcome chat, which is basically everyone would go around and introduce themselves and tell their story, you know, what they hope to learn from the week, where they want to go with their business, what, you know, brought them to the workshop, things like that, that open the door for connection
0: and community from night one. That's honestly probably one of my favorite parts of the workshop, like to this day. And then every single workshop, because we've done that, it creates this welcoming family, like safe space. And every single workshop when we've done that, like multiple girls have broken down in tears. like In a good way. In (laughs) in a good way, right. (laughs) Well, but even in just like sharing their story, even if what they have personally gone through was like so heartbreaking, like because we create that environment from literally like the first two hours mm-hmm. that they arrive to the house or to the lodge or the space or whatever, they feel so much more connected and it just sets the tone for the entire week so well. And it's yeah. like, hey, 25 strangers have just walked into this room and now we're a family. Like, yeah, and it, like, we're here to talk about our heart.
1: It just, it literally, all the walls that are up Around people heading into a really scary new environment with lots of other strangers, just get completely knocked down on that first chat. And Lindsay and I love, love, love those talks because we get to know our attendees and our attendees get to know each other. And we become best friends and a family within that first night. And we're there for each other and we're fighting for each other the entire week. And it becomes so, so beautiful. And we love that part and prioritizing that with getting to know each one of our girls.
0: Somebody asked me, um, they were like, with hosting like workshops with girls, which is kind of a sexist comment that this person made, but they were like, with with hosting workshops with girls, don't you ever like deal with like cattiness or like people not liking each other or like backstabbing each other or just like anything like that? And I was like, no, because... Literally not at all. (laughs) Literally have never, ever dealt with any of that, but it's because we like... You bring the vibe to the workshop. Like yeah. that what you give is what you're gonna get. And so because we start off and make sure that everyone feels loved, connected, welcomed, mm-hmm. they're best friends. Like it it's really in how you set the tone. And just yeah. like having that family style dinner and the just like having everyone around and like us even not sitting always together and making yeah. sure that we're interspersing ourselves with our attendees, and not just being like the Lindsay and Evie corner. Oh, we're too good for you. Like, no, absolutely not. And like, we even say that from night one. Like, yeah. one of the first things I ever say when we sit down is that, hey, we are not better than you. We are learning right alongside with you. And I'm so excited yep. to learn from you guys. Yep. And we we say that up front. And that I think just speaks volumes, probably, of just like how welcomed they feel from the get go.
1: Yeah, I love that. Mm. I think one other thing that we did right. So number three would be that you and I, Lindsay, really prioritized debriefing and growing after every single workshop. So we always set aside. Usually we do a dinner or a lunch or something after workshop ends and we sit down and we write notes and we ask each other, okay, what do you think we did right? Cool. What do you think we did wrong? Well, how can we improve? You know, that may have gone really, really great, but can we up level it? Can we even make that better? What? Where did we struggle? What did we struggle with during this week that, you know, kept coming up? Was there any way that we could have made this week better or that we can make the next one better? And we would write those notes. We would talk with each other. We would be honest about how we felt, things that went well, things that went poorly. And I think approaching that right away after the event ended allowed us to then set ourselves up for even more success at the next event.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's fresh in your mind. Yeah. It's not like you're sitting down like weeks from then. Yeah. It's it's immediately after saying like, okay, what worked? What didn't? Um, yeah. And I'm trying to think of an example of like something that that we went over and we're like, oh, that didn't really work. I guess well, ma- one of the, I, the one the first example that I thought of is, and this is logistical, but when we set up our styled shoots, we always have a dress designer. Um, we partner with a, a dress designer to use a dress for the styled shoot. And for our first workshop, we used a designer who is incredible. Grace Loves Lace from Australia. They're an Australia-based company. And we loved them. And they told us when we booked the dress that it would be—because exp- we had to ship it back to Australia and that's not a cheap price tag <laughs> uh, but they not didn't give all. me a dollar count but they just kind of hinted hey it might be a little pricier and i was like oh yeah whatever and then when we after the workshop was over we went to go to ups i think to deliver it back and they were like it, like the dude was like you realize this is going to be $300 right and i was like what and they were like which we did not budget that much into like the salary uh, costs yeah Yeah. It was definitely a
1: gulp moment. But that was something that, because we returned, we shipped back the dress and then went to lunch and sat down and debriefed. And that was something that we were like, so moving forward, paying $300 for a borrowed dress is probably not what we want to keep doing. (laughs) Yeah. So debriefing, I think, and just prioritizing growth after every event and figuring out how you can make it better, even if you think it went so well and you feel like nothing went wrong. Being like, okay, there's got to be something that we can try next time or do next time to make it even better. I think that really helps in something that we did from the very beginning.
0: Yeah. Well, and even looking at the things that went right and then being like, okay, they really liked this. How can for the next workshop we make it even better? Yeah. And honestly, that's why we kept raising the price. I mean, for a myriad of reasons, we, every workshop that we did, even from the beginning, we started it really, really cheap with our first workshop and we raised the price each time mainly because we got better. We offered yeah. more and the experience got so much better each time. Yeah. Um. The next one I'm like, as it's funny, as we're doing all of these, I keep thinking of other things that we did well that are not our six things. I'm like, oh, <laughs> we should ask. <laughs> anyway, it's just a bath yeah. cat fest over here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we started with things we did wrong uh-huh. here. Open. Um, okay, so the fourth thing is we marketed it freaking dang well. Like every <laughs> single workshop, like, I mean, I know that that's kind of our niche. That's what we're good at. That's why people are coming to this workshop in the first place is, or just why people want to learn from us in the first place is because, like, I will just say it, like, we're damn good marketers. Um <laughs> And every single workshop that we have sold has the first the first one, which, we, okay, the first one sold out in uh, like seven hours, I think, mm-hmm. um, which for the first thing, like people woke up that day. They had no idea that we, what we were doing. We announced that we were hosting a workshop and sold the tickets and then people bought it. We're like, what? Well, and we uh, had like less than, I think less than four or 5,000 followers combined. Like yeah, we did not have, <laughs> yeah, no, nothing. Um, and so, and then everyone after that has been two hours or less. And then I think Utah was 15 minutes, which yep. blows my mind. That was our fourth workshop. That blows my mind. Yeah. But I think let's chat about like why that was the case, like why we kept selling out and why we keep selling out so fast. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I feel, like, I feel like we set the expectations really well from the beginning.
1: So we were like, this is what you're going to get. This is what we're going to focus on. This is how we're going to have this event impact you. Um, we did our best to show people the experience from the very beginning and basically just set the tone for what the vibe was going to be like, what they were going to learn, how it was going to impact them, how they were going to grow. Um, And they just knew what they were signing up for from the beginning, even though, of course, with any sort of workshop, there's going to be a lot of unknowns. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's just something that we just told them what they were going to get so people knew what they were headed into.
0: Yeah, and I think... This is like a marketing principle. This is This doesn't really have anything to do with workshops specifically, or even live events specifically. This is just a general marketing principle. But just understanding the pain point of your ideal audience and answering that and solving yeah, that, yeah, 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 and pairing that with really good visuals and really energetic, fun times. Like, make it something that looks fun that people will be so sad to miss out on, and create a welcoming community. I guess that kind of goes in with a lot of workshops um, have a application process, Mm -hmm. um, which from the beginning we knew we did not ever want to do because I think I I understand the reasoning for it for application processes. Um, I totally understand it, especially as you grow like you if you want a certain like you want to make sure that they're at a certain level because that's going to be most beneficial like I totally get why people do that and it makes so much sense but I I would say for us specifically if we would have done that I think there have been a lot of people who came to all of our workshops that would not have came because we wouldn't have necessarily picked because maybe they weren't like I'm there was some people that literally had just got a camera I think Mm -hmm. to our Seattle workshop Ashley didn't even have an Instagram um and everyone was like encouraging her and like being like, yes, you can do it. Because um, yeah. she was in like finance or something like that. But um, I think not having an application process, I feel like that's a different point that I just like turned marketing into, but obviously, <laughs> I'm here. Um, but like making people, that still applies under marketing, making people feel welcomed. And by not having an m- application process, that kind of then in and of itself created like, oh, I wanna go, I wanna go, I wanna go. And that's what I think sold us out so fast.
1: Yeah. I think next up, I would say something we did well from the beginning would be our food. Um, We were very intentional to craft food menus ahead of time to know what was being served throughout the week. And so then we could intentionally plan very delicious, but also relatively inexpensive meals and food options. And we took polls of food allergies. So we were aware of Food allergies that were coming in during the
0: week so we could cater to them as much as possible. And then which is I will say very hard. What you just as a host, if you're if you're providing food for people, for our first workshop, we had gluten free, we had a nut allergy, we had vegans if you combine all three of those, that is not a very uh, big menu (laughs) that you can eat from. Like, neither of us are vegan. We're not gluten-free. Like, so we're just like the normal, like, cheese meat eaters. And (laughs) we don't have many allergies, like, at all. And so just thinking in the mindset of, like, what can I eat if I couldn't eat everything? (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah and we we
1: brought in a chef from the very beginning. The first one was um a friend and the the rest of them have been Rachel our assistant who is the sweetest little southern belle you will ever meet and she is just the m- most incredible hostess and chef and like she's just so great so she cooks for all of our workshops and that took so much weight and responsibility off of Lindsay and I, she would plan the menus. She would do the shopping with us, but like she was in charge of that. Like we weren't taking up brain real estate
0: for, well. and I will to, to piggyback off of that. Other than our first workshop, the Malibu one, every other workshop has had the same exact menu because yeah. Rachel like created a system of what she loved. But for the most part, we always had a menu. We'd always go to Costco and we because it was the same menu each time, mm-hmm. we knew exactly what we needed and Rachel like systemized it to yep. be efficient to all allergies or all like gluten-free sensitivities or anything like that yeah
1: and then throughout the day on top of the food menus we would just offer some snacks and things for the girls to have and that just would create during like little breaks opportunities for people to sit around and like snack on some pretzels and hummus or something like that and yeah i think we handled
0: food pretty well from the beginning I think with food real fast, is alcohol. So what our policy was to never provide it ourselves, but to welcome, like if anybody wants to bring it, they are welcome to bring it. Um, and we just do that because, just for liability reasons. And then honestly, I think Evie wasn't even 21 for our, like first workshop. It's true. Great. And then I was pregnant for half of them after that. And so I was just annoyed. <laughs> oh man. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I think we did well on food. And then number six, I think...
0: Is the antithesis of the things we did wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, we just got help, guys. I mean, we we told you we brought in our assistant. She she plans like just about everything for our style shoots, our catering. She cooks the vendor communication, the booking of you know the spaces, getting the permits, everything. And then we would hire and bring in photo and video people as well to kind of help with all of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we didn't need to be taking time and energy focusing on that wasn't going to actually be connecting with our girls and our, our students. It was admin like tasks that needed to get done to help the workshop run smoothly, but also we didn't need to be the people doing those. So bringing in help, huge game changer.
0: (laughs) Mm, okay, real fast because I thought of some new things that I think would just be helpful to people. I'm gonna speed round some three things that I that I thought of that we did really well. So speed round and go. Okay, so the <laughs> so the first thing is make sure you're making a profit. I would I would say like we every single time. Obviously, the first workshop that we did, it wasn't a huge profit, but we have strategically chose like Airbnbs or places that wouldn't be too expensive, or we've priced it so that we're always coming out positive. Yeah. Um, And I know a lot of workshops struggle with that. So just making sure that you are pricing it accordingly and that you're just coming out, like make it worth your while. is Yeah. So that's something we've always done, I think, right. The next thing is, this is specific obviously to us, but I think it it really makes a difference is that we pray over every single girl before they walk in the door and we pray over the house. Like that, I think makes such a huge difference in our hearts. And obviously I know that not everyone is Christian or not everyone believes the same, but I think just personally, if I'm, if I'm talking about things that we did right, it would be that, like yeah, honestly. Yeah, um, sure. And then the last thing I think for photography workshops specifically is just a tip for styled shoots um, we didn't do this the first workshop. I think we did it starting the second and after. When you're doing the style shoots, um, we split our girls up into two groups. So there's two groups total. And then even in that group, we get like split that up into two groups again. So there's like four groups going. And then we're having them shoot like two models at the same time. So ultimately, you're shooting a couple with like six people. So it's very intimate and you can kind of get the shot that you want. But then, a, pro tip that I learned from the Let's Go workshop by Grace Burt. She's incredible and I love her. But um at her workshop I learned this and so we started doing this at our workshop is we would have after everyone like has the time to shoot them in their groups, then you would group up people into like two groups of two, or or one if you have enough time, but groups of two, and then they would get the models alone for like two minutes. And that way if you want like a close up or you want to do something specific with the models that you can't do like within a huge group, then that gives you the opportunity to. And it just, it's really nice to your attendees uh, because it gives everybody an opportunity to get the shots that they want. So I just wanted to add those little sprinkles because I was like, oh, we did more awesome things. Hold on. (laughs) Here, let me just pat myself on the back even more. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Guys,
1: we just hope that this though, this breakdown, this, this real raw friend friend-to-friend chat was helpful. We wanted to be honest with you and just remind you, you will always have room to grow and things to learn. There will always be more to do and more to improve on. You you don't have to get it right the first time. And you should never expect your first try to be flawless. I think- Ours was not. Yeah, exactly. I think if we'd like waited to- host a workshop until we thought it was flawless, we never would have hosted one because we you you are going to mess up on your first try the same way we messed up on our fourth try. Like yeah. There's always going to be room for improvement. Don't ever stop yourself from doing what you're passionate about. If you want to impact other people, if you want to see their businesses succeed, see them grow and and accomplish what they were born to accomplish, then go for it. Stop waiting for the perfect moment. Just do it. As long as your heart's in the right place, people are going Im- to be impacted by you. As long as you're not doing this for the money, people yeah. are going to be impacted.
0: And even... You heard all the things we did wrong, which most of them came from our first one. Even that, like, I can tell you right now, the people that came to our first one raved about it. Yeah. Because we still, all the things that we did right, most of them were still in that first one. Not all of them, but most of them. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And people connected with that. And we made sure to prioritize making people feel welcomed and given value, even if, like, little logistical things weren't the best.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope that was helpful for you guys. Hope you enjoyed the little uh, Evie and Lindsay messed up real bad talk. I'm just (laughs) kidding. But um, we are cheering you on in this next step in this endeavor of creating valuable education for people. We believe so strongly in cheering on and serving other educators as well as other business owners. So Go out there, just chase that dream, go impact and change some lives and we will be back here cheering you on.
0: Yes, and I'm gonna plug us real fast. Follow us on Instagram at Mrs. Lindsay Roman at Evie Rupp and at the podcast Instagram at The Heart University and join our Facebook group in the show notes. We would love to just have you in a little home online fellowship situation. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys so much.